PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, Mud, and welcome to the pod. Hi, Noda. And we have another person. We've got Az. Hello, Az. Hello. So today we're going to talk about that persecutory inner voice. So basically the voice inside you that is constantly criticizing. So, Mud, have you got one of those? Yeah, I do. What does it tell you? Can you say off the top of your head? I feel like if I, like, Put it out there. Is that too much? Or something, it would like come out naturally. But it's like, no, I don't really want to go into it. Like, Mm. I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of cursing. Cursing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. So your inner voice will actually swear at you. Oh yeah. Oh, and does it have insults? Personal insults. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm pretty like clever sometimes with insults, and so it's that voice is also pretty clever, and like gets me with them. <laughs> oh, so it's it's a witty, harsh inner voice. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be reflective of your own capabilities, I guess, but it doesn't have to be. It could it could be something completely different from your like normal personality. Okay. Do you think it might have helped you develop your wit? If it's always there, like, going at you, did you develop your wit in response, do you think? Because you are quite witty. I don't know, because I will go back and forth sometimes, and so maybe, like, just in that, like, back and forth interaction. But So it, you like having an argument with it? Yeah. Except that it's you too, so you're having an argument. Two parts of you are having an argument. Okay. So if we take it that you learn it from caregivers in your early years, does it use the same language as people who would have criticised you when you were small? Definitely not anymore. (laughs) Like I think it's an evolving thing. In the, what's it called, the... uh, uh, Otto Kernberg or whatever model, it's that persecutory superego. I think that's even Floyd, I don't know. But uh, yeah. So superego can be seen in some ways as like a collection of everybody you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's like the uh, people who are looking at your actions and judging them. Yep. Or the bits that you've taken inside right. from other people. Wow, so yours is, your voice is actually like got multiple personalities yeah i mean like i do too so okay oh that's interesting yeah i never thought about it but yeah that's probably true too and it's definitely like a voice 
not because like I was talking with few and we both thought actually we feel it more than right. have words. Like we have the feeling will rush over, which will be, oh, I'm shit. But it's the feeling of being shit rather than well, the words. It'll depend on the level of like psychosis versus neurosis that you like have. Okay. People who are more psychotically inclined will have it be more like it'll sound more like actual voices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, like, I just wondered if it was a, a BPD thing because BPDs, I think, are more in touch with emotion, so it might express itself as an emotion rather than voices. Though I do have voices, yeah, right. criticizing me, but I don't know. But, yeah, that's another way of looking at it. That's interesting. feel less emotions. It'll probably take on more of an experience. Sometimes it even feels like it's coming from outside of yourself. You have that feeling? Yeah. So you feel like you can hear a voice or you just get a sensation that there's a voice like or yeah. Describe. I mean it, it can be weird. Sometimes it'll it'll be like I'm perceiving like something talking to me, but I don't know where it is. Okay. Do you ever like argue with it out loud? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As do you do that too? Yeah, I definitely do. I I'll I'll like stick up for myself and like argue and I'll be like like, you know, actually, that's not true. I don't always, like, fuck up, so you're wrong, because it'll just be like, you piece of shit, you fucking suck, and sometimes it'll be, like, sing-songy with it or whatever. <laughs> and, like, you are such a fuck up, you always fuck up, you are so bad. And I'm like, actually, no, I'm not, I'm really not. This is just <laughs> a mistake I made because of this and this and this. Yeah. Now, wait, are you saying, like, do you, when you say it out loud, is it like you say the criticism and then the reply or only the reply? Sometimes I'll say both. Yeah. Okay. Usually I do the reply always, like, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's both. Yeah, because, like, mostly it's a sense of being attacked, isn't it? Like, we carry that feeling. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's common to a degree. I don't know. But, yeah, it's certainly part of, yeah. Being more self-critical, isn't it? Having that, yeah, the sense of being attacked. Mm. And so, as do you want to tell me any more about your voice? I'd say that, like, to other people, I would, I would always say, like, don't make me feel any worse than I already do because, like, I'm my biggest critic. Okay. If I, if I fuck up or if I make a mistake, then, like, I would just, like, get really mad at other people who would, like, try and criticize me further because I'm already feeling like really bad. Um, okay. Really, really down about myself and my actions and anytime I like make a mistake. So, cause like I'm already like super like criticizing myself and trying to think of like where I went wrong and like what I could have done differently. And I've already like forgiven myself, but also like sort of resolved, uh, resigned to like make changes differently. Mm -hmm. So then when someone pipes up and says like, the obvious thing like that was stupid or like why'd you do that you know or something like that I'd just i would just be like shut the fuck up like <laughs> you can't talk bad about me because like i'm already doing that to myself so don't try do to make it work it already is do they listen to that like do they you know are they like oh okay i can see that you've criticized yourself and i'm just adding or are they or are they not very receptive like how do they respond when you say that to them I think a lot of people would respond in a way that makes uh, sense because, like, I, I don't think they're going to see or realize that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, like, already cursing myself or, like, having designed to, like, make 
changes to not have that happen. But like I've already like spotted the error in my ways and I could have done something differently. So I think they would just respond with like, I'm only, you know, like calm down. I was only saying like one thing or like chill out, dude. Like, it's like, you know, oh, like, I know. I know what you're about to say. And they're like, no, you don't. You need to hear this or whatever. It's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> so like they feel that your response was too strong. Like, you know, when they're saying calm down or whatever. If they don't know me or, or whatever, like, but if, if they've dealt with me or like something like that, and I just go like, before they even say something, you know, they can just like go like, ah, and then you go like, shut up. Don't even say it. Yeah. And okay. Go, and I was just going to, and then you're like, don't, I don't even, nope. Uh, don't want to hear it. When they do, if it's someone who do does want to like list and explain to you what they feel you did wrong, is that like really hard to listen to? Then is that what I'm hearing? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the trying to make time to listen to someone who's going to try and tell me like what I did wrong after mm -hmm. something like painfully obvious. Like if I'm like trying to like balance too many things in my arms like at once or something and then like i try and grab like another thing and i drop everything like yeah uh, that's like a weird generic example because mm -hmm. I, like, I don't know if i like ever really do that but well, maybe um, you tried to carry too like, much stuff there. or gee, like, gee you know uh <laughs> carrying a little bit too much huh you know and it's like no shit sherlock like what the fuck like yeah that was stupid that was dumb i like looked stupid doing that like <laughs> i know that you know, okay helpful sometimes i'll like play play dumb about it and i'll be like what like what do you mean i was carrying i don't understand like <laughs> just i don't know like it's it's fun to just get people going sometimes and it's like they it feels like everyone is just like waiting for an opportunity to go off oh really so, yeah so you've said this to me before that you yeah. feel yeah that you feel like just under the surface is yeah is that real negativity just waiting for an excuse to come out yeah. Okay. So then you feel like, does that mean you feel like they're always waiting to criticize you or go off at you? I mean, maybe it definitely feels that way sometimes. I, I just, it's like, I feel like everyone's just waiting for a scapegoat to burn. Like, oh, yeah. Cause that's how you felt as a child. Is that right? Or as you've gotten older? Well, I don't know. Like, do you have like, I don't I actually actually don't know. Like, it depends. Sometimes I feel that way, but, like, it depends on the social setting. Oh, okay. Like, I guess I, I was going to ask about your voice, if, if yours is, like, different. I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, so I think it's feelings, and I think in my work it was, like, you're fucked, so don't even try. Like, you're right at the bottom of the mountain, and you're never even going to be able to take a step, so don't even bother. Yeah, so it was more it like it really noticeable in like the quote professional area. So yeah, I've been really unconfident, and it, that's like a really good point because with when we talk about grandiose and vulnerable, so if we talk about narcissism as having that voice all the time, a vulnerable narcissist has really experiences that as outside themselves and yeah they're the failure they can never overcome it so yeah that's how I've, I've experienced it and also been kind of quiet and not very adventurous uh in some ways too so yeah that's that's my voice yeah yours is like preventative or inhibitory um, yeah yeah so like I think I've told you my family is very quiet I was super quiet like after talking to you, I thought, yeah, there's never been 
one single screaming match in my family. I think I did one yelling episode when I was about 15 and that's it. But no, it was super, super quiet. So yeah, very inhibitory and just uh, always, always watching myself and having to bite my tongue. So I said, how does that happen? Did like nothing stressful like ever happen to like trigger people to blow up? No, it's, how was it? It was like, I think before you dealt with anyone, you had to like get all rigid and then go out and just say the right thing, which was something polite, something about something that wasn't personal and just focus on that and just bite your tongue the whole time. But um, what if you did? What if what? What if you, what but if what you if, Yeah. Well, I, I think I've mentioned that I did have one fight and then my dad and stepmother stopped talking to me for over a decade. So, yeah, that's it's basically it was like relationships were very fragile and you couldn't push on them at all by arguing or being. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it, it, in a quiet house, there's no modelling of yelling or anything like that. So, but surely, like, just stop talking to your kid, like, right? So it's like, I don't know. no, I just think everybody was very quiet, and when they did talk, they talk about something nice, and and that's the way it was. It seems like children are like naturally, like, at some level, rebellious and defiant, and so it's like, what happened to make it so that that just wasn't there? I think it's probably if you start out feeling not at all secure. So you're like, I'm going to stay in a little ball and just like poke my toe out and it doesn't seem safe. So I'll pull my toe back in and just not even go there and just say, stay quiet. So I just did a lot of like drawing and making stuff in my room, read a lot of books, that kind of oh, okay. thing. Yeah. So you so, had like enough to keep yourself occupied. Yeah. I just went off into a dream world and possibly okay. may not have come out of it yeah but yeah it's so like, and go you ahead could still like go and draw and like read or whatever so like you had at least those things are like available to you yeah i had similar childhood experience my parents would yell at each other in their room and oh. they would fight a lot but there was no fighting or yelling typically outside of the room unless they were yelling at us like i definitely never got in a screaming match with my parents i like so you brother. okay. So you are your parents? Did they stay together or did they split up? They split up. I grew up living with my dad and stepmom, and then my mom and stepdad later on. Okay, but you used to hear them fighting when you were small. Throughout my entire like childhood, living with my dad and stepmom, uh, they, oh, were that... always, they were mostly <laughs> fighting over money. Oh, okay. Yeah, stressful, huh? Okay, but then they'd come out and they'd be like, nothing happened or, or what? It depend. It depended on it. But, yeah, kind of, they'd mostly, like, pretend like nothing had happened because, yeah, they wouldn't really, like, show much emotion or, or whatever or, like, one of them would leave normally and then it would just be the other one, like, left here. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they just kind of awkwardly, like, <laughs> played off like nothing had happened. Like, they hadn't been screaming at each other for three hours. <laughs> Oh, dear. It's funny, isn't it? And kids just see, they see the truth, don't they? But, yeah, you just, you, there are rules and you just don't overstep them because you're dependent on them. So it is what it is. It's less that I don't overstep them because I'm dependent because I definitely did overstep them. It was more just I found, like, my own path of, like, least resistance or, like, whatever got me, like, what I wanted the most. 
So what was your path of least resistance? Well, my sister and my mom would be the ones who would scream and fight for the most part. And then afterwards, you know, my mom would be like crying and be like, I'm sorry you had to see that sometimes or whatever and be like, but your sister's just like so awful or something like something's mm-hmm. like, like I, yeah, I just sort of ignored that and like didn't even respond. It was like, why are you even bothering? Mm-hmm. Whereas my sister would come and be like, hey, sorry that happened. Like, you know, I know that like that must not be fun for you. Or my sister would like actually try to win me over. Okay. So she was trying to elicit you onto her side rather than actually yeah. being understanding. Uh, okay. Did you fall for it like initially and then after a while go, no, nah, this is bullshit? I mean, I didn't really understand sides at the age that I was like, supposed to be like picking a side yeah and then mostly i didn't want to participate anyway because it was just like a bunch of screaming so i didn't really know what i was what being on a side was supposed to mean so i, I don't really know mm-hmm. but mostly i just stayed quiet okay but you you like you had that model to you is like conflict is about screaming and shouting and tears well and winning oh winning oh yeah. and so who would win the most, do you think? Or was it even? Or what would I go mean, on the there? More power would be my mom because she had the finances and, you know, she was the adult for most of my childhood and other things like that. So it's like she would usually be the one who would win, but my sister still had some leverage and I got to like see that. So, so, but wait, you're saying the conflict was a power struggle. It wasn't so much just expressing feelings it was actually a battle of wills yeah it was about trying to control what people did so oh. my mom would get upset because my sister would be going out and not saying and like not telling or whatever or would be doing something like you know having friends over and drinking just shit like that mm-hmm. and the power is over whether or not my mom could get my sister to do what she wanted okay so she was resisting yeah, she was resisting because she didn't want to be controlled. Right. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I can say I've never heard a screaming match between my parents or my parent and step-parent. Like there's so, I haven't I've seen my mum cry once and that's about it. So, yeah, super, super quiet and super repressed, I would say. And I guess that's our model, isn't it, for handling things or not handling them uh, and yeah. avoiding them. Yeah, in my case. I yeah. was about the, the wit or whatever, and now that I think about it, it was definitely my sister, because my sister was, like, very much a an actor and a clown and shit like that mm-hmm. and was able to keep her cool during a conflict enough to, like, make fun of my mom and get, like, a rise out of her and shit like that, make oh, her yeah. look bad for other people and stuff. Like, oh. was, is, is your mom prone to, like, getting over emotional was that like a button that your sister knew she could push really easily yeah okay Um, definitely was like way more emotionally controlled than my mom was oh is she still that way yeah and oh really okay because you've also said maybe your mum used your behavior as an excuse to like just discharge some negativity onto you yeah so like is she prone to that and maybe was your sister 
Was she doing the same thing to your sister or that she just purge onto you? Like a lot of times when my sister would like storm out or something, it would be like, then my mom would end up finding something I did and yelling at me about it. And it was like, it was really typical, unexpected. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, like I get it. You just felt like disempowered or whatever in this fight with my sisters and I have to come and make me feel like. And would your sister often turn on you as well? Like, as well as trying to elicit you to take her side? Like, Uh, I didn't have any power over my sister, so she didn't really have any issues with me. Like, she was, there was times where she was cruel and like, but it, it, and sadistic, I guess, but it was almost just because it was like entertaining for her. Mm -hmm. Do you think any of your harsh voice is your sister as well, or is it adults? Yeah, it very well could be. Okay. Hmm. As what about you? Who do you think is in your voice? Like who makes up that voice in your head? I'd say it's just sort of internal. Like I, I just say it's, it's just self self hating. Like mm-hmm. me, basically, I don't, I don't know if it's any other based on any other person really. So it doesn't use a language that you might recognize, or does it have uh, like a an enemy that? you know, maybe your family had or something or? I have to think about that. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like it's taken on almost everyone you know at some point. Actually, I'm thinking this is kind of embarrassing, but mine, like now I think about it, I'd have, I'd be like in court trying to defend myself in court sometimes and I'd be arguing and arguing and sticking up for myself there. And I didn't realize it till just then and thinking about, does yours like really happen when you're, say I'd be walking, so I might have caught public transport and then I'm walking home or doing something like a chore that's really mundane and that's when it really starts up? Do you get that? Yeah, I'd say like whenever you're like really like bored or whatever and then you're thinking back on like your actions, like if I'm, I'm in public or something and I'm like trying to do something mundane, like you said, like carrying groceries or something and like you know I, I drop something or something like falls out of the bag or something and then you know that voice would pipe up and just be like you know like uh, obviously that was going to happen you know of course you were you know you put too much stuff in that bag or like you should have seen that the thing was breaking or or you know you slipped and fell like but you hope no one saw you do that but everyone did and I bet they're all laughing at you mm. oh so it's like really mundane things it's having a go at you about that yeah it it, it can get louder at those times because you have a chance to like there's less like outside noise so yeah like reflection and stuff like that yeah that's yeah that's one thing there's less outside noise so man you can hear it and because you're not focusing on anything else it's just like going on and on and on in your head so i'm thinking in that situation then I, I'd feel really bad and I'd be looking around seeing if people were looking at me. Do you get that too? Like it's like attacked you and you feel like really shit and then you're looking around seeing if anyone else has noticed because they'd be thinking it too? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, yeah, go ahead. I would say there's also like this point where it's like I'm just like fuck it and I just embrace being like yeah. the worst. Okay. Can you give me an example? Like, if I know that people are going to just, like, start yelling at me or something, I'll just, like, start making things worse just to make them, like, matter and matter. Mm-hmm. I'll play up, like, all the things that I know make them, like, more upset just because, like, 
uh, the way I phrased it was disappointment feels like home. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And that's from your mom, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Because she would often go on and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it was easy I- to make her blow up, yeah. Okay, so you'd turn it around by then, like, provoking her to do it. Yeah. Mm. It just becomes, like, extremely entertaining. Okay. Did she actually seem, did you get along afterwards? Like, how was she after you'd provoked her? Did it settle things down because it sort of popped a bubble or something? (laughs) So it just went on and on and on. But, like, eventually she would just get so fucking fed up that, like she would do something like, you know, go to your fucking room or whatever. And I'd be like, all right, fine. Okay. And so you say now you do that with people in general. I don't. It, it depends. It's like at a certain point where it feels like I reach like this point of there's nothing I can do will make this better. Okay. So if you sense the person is getting a bit irritated, you'll then go into that mode. Or if it's a situation where you think that could happen, like when does that happen? It usually happens after I've been, like, ground down. Oh. By the other person or just by life and then you kind of go? Yeah, life. Like, it's it's something, like, that I'm almost, like, it's, it's like a temptation. It's, like, I can just sort of reach for, like, this point of despair mm-hmm. and, like, give up. Yeah. And just stop caring about, like, anything. And it, it's, it's very, it's very uh, alluring. Yeah. Because it feels really good to be in that point. Like Yeah. Is it like if you lose hope then and then you'd probably be angry, it would be a way of expressing it, do you think? Like bringing on a fight and an argument and then out out the shit comes? Or? It's like letting go of anything positive happening and just like learning how to like embrace the negative, I feel like. I don't know. Okay. And then afterwards you feel better? Uh, yeah, for uh, like long periods of time I, I will feel better. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. All right, I've run out of questions. Have you got anything? Well, I think of something more. But, I mean, like, you asked a bunch of questions, but you didn't offer a lot of your own input too much. I felt like. Yeah, so you want to ask me some? Kind of. I mean, why'd you bring up the first story, voice? Oh, crap. Because, I, yeah, because I think it's, well, I think one of the points of the podcast is to break down each aspect of narcissism or personality disorders or whatever so I want to do a topic you know an episode on on each topic yeah and just explain what that's like and how it feels but why did you pick the persecutory voice I think something was happening a day or two ago and I can't remember off the top of my head but I thought you'd probably be quite good at talking about it but but why did you pick it I can have a think about and get back to you it just okay. came. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I seriously don't remember right now. But yeah, I think like memories of like it being like a big thing in your life or something that like you know you like like of all the topics you could have picked, why would like you pick that one? And so it's like um okay. I'll tell you why I picked this topic. It's because so you told me like when I started talking to you, you told me to about sadism and masochism being a part you know, a really essential or core component of narcissism. And you told me to look at sadism and then to basically accept it. And so I did really start. They're always there. 
sorry, both, yeah, both components and that, you know, I had a lot of masochism. So I did, yeah, I did read about that and how they're really just one half of a whole. And then I thought a lot about that and how, and I think you were trying to tell me this, how if you're masochistic, you've pushed out your sadism and therefore you experience the world as much harsher and more cruel and more hostile. Yeah. And definitely that's really weird yeah because ah actually no this is really interesting and it's embarrassing I can remember until the age of about 10 being terrified a lot of the time like being so so afraid just feeling like a really timid child and being so ashamed of that and because we never talked about feelings I never told anyone and I'd forgotten that until really really recently but I was really scared And I think when you give away or you're not allowed to have any aggression, um, you become really, really weak and really, really defenseless. And so I knew that. And I knew my. We're born very weak. Sorry? We're born very weak. Literally Literally, literally helpless. And then when you're small, you're helpless. And then if you can't access anything to defend yourself, it's pretty scary. And I knew my family, my parents would never stick up for me. I mean, Yeah. yeah. They'd, I don't know, emotionally they wouldn't. So, you know, if I was criticized, yeah, go ahead. Most of us have conscious memories. We are physically disciplined into compliance. And a lot of people don't realize how important that is to our development. Like, so tell me about that. Yeah. So, like, one of the obvious ones is just like, you know, beatings or spankings or whatever. Like, those usually happen around, you know, two years old. Mm -hmm. That's before most people have memories. Yeah. I don't think I ever got any, but I think I absorbed a lot of anxiety from my parents and I think there was not much touching. So I think I just picked it up and not much eye contact, not much time spent together. So I think I just... Sorry? Did they punish you at all? Not much. Terrifying. Mm, Seriously, it was like, I think... Uh, all I can remember is the world was scary. I would just keep to myself and keep quiet and be a good girl. Yeah. And yeah. and there was like just a limited, like you can do this and this and this. It's really limited. This is what's available to you. That's all there is. So that's what I did basically. Well, being yeah. scary I think is a particular feeling that you would probably have if somebody felt like there was good reason for you to be scared. And so it's like, th- were you afraid of abandonment? I think I was afraid of being attacked in any way. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And I do remember, like, I remember being about four or five and having really bad stomach aches of tension. Like, I can remember, like, pressing a toy into my stomach to try and unknot it. Yeah, so I just think it was just, an, it just kind of been very happy and I was just picking it up, even though everybody was super quiet and nobody seemed right. to argue. Yeah. I just, I feel like that terror has to come from somewhere and part of that can come from just, like, fear of being like put into isolation or some sort of consequences of some type like or just if you yeah, were well, your two years old is, is usually they're called terrible twos because that's when kids tend to start becoming defiant mm-hmm. i don't think i did you you almost certainly did but you don't remember yeah and so there was some reaction to you defying your parents will and i think that's has to be whatever conditioned you into like a, a submissive terrified response 
Yeah, I like I can tell you so I know my grandmother, so on my mum's side, she uh, she was born with like a squint where one of your eyes goes in and I think she always felt unloved and she didn't connect with her mum and she had one sibling and when she was I think one sibling was sent to boarding school and she was sent at about four or six she was sent away to live with a nanny for a number of years and when she came back they'd adopted another child and nobody ever said anything about why but yeah Yeah. I think yeah I think yeah, that's like the British middle class for you when they've got a bit of money. They just know how to make kids feel really special. But yeah, so I think she was just always terrified of being gotten rid of. And then that terror just transmitted down to her kids. And I know my mum said that she wouldn't listen much when they were in distress because she was like, well, you know, you didn't have it like I had it. Like, not that she was nasty about it, but there was just no personal tolerance. So I think there was just really high anxiety that wasn't ever acknowledged. Yeah. And maybe yeah. you uh, like had some positive interactions with your parents that would just cease whenever like you became angry or defiant. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I did much. And the other thing is, you know, that theory of the development of borderline is that the child is discouraged from separating from the parent, from the caregiver. So whenever they try and activate and, yeah, grow and develop as an individual, they they get rejected. So they're encouraged to, to remain sort of merged and dependent. And, yeah, and so when you do try and grow, and separate then you experience abandonment anxiety but yeah Yeah. I would I would say also and like especially after having talked to you I would think that feeling of this really hostile outer world was also my own anger at the way I was treated so at not being accepted so then um, you split it off outside yourself and project it onto the world and then you find that the world is very very hostile that and just abandonment anxiety comes from the fact that the, the survival is part of like the world, right? Is that you can die. The world is mm. hostile in some ways. Yep. Especially when you're small. Yep. And so the way that children are sort of programmed, conditioned to like survive is they have to be cared for by some attachment figure. And so when mm-hmm. you fear losing that attachment figure, you fear being abandoned and then you can become and get eaten by wolves or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that reminds me. So I know my mum fell pregnant, I think four months after I was born. And she told me she spent most of the time really, really nauseous and just lying on the sofa, feeling really, really nauseous. And I do remember telling my therapist who said that the nausea can be, I don't want to have this baby. So yeah, she. I think she went through her own crisis and she is not a baby person anyway. My parents had moved overseas, so there was no family there. So it was just probably very quiet and no touching and not much interaction. And yeah. And then my dad occasionally coming home from work. So I think I just must have gone, this is not a very friendly place. Because yeah, I was told I was very, very quiet all the time. Yeah. And any any amount of physical threat from something that's like a hundred times your size is going to come off as pretty terrifying yeah so if if they withdraw their affection suddenly from you like you suddenly feel very unsafe it's like oh i'm being treated as a threat now they could easily Mm -hmm. kill me like you know yeah i'm fragile and i'm small like so it it, it was like that implied threat in there 
Yeah. And then, yeah, you'd have to get the affection in the first place to have it withdrawn as well. So I don't know. I probably didn't get much of that, you know, physical reassurance type of a thing. Yeah. So, and then that's like the BPD too is like not having that internal stability and feeling like a just a crazy carousel of emotions like on fucking high speed with no control over it. And I think that comes too from not having enough time with an adult and then they're not or they're not steady. So you don't absorb any steadiness and you don't build your own internal structure. You're just like, well, everything's just going to come and flood over me and I can't manage it or direct it or reduce it or anything. So yeah, yeah. I think that's that's how that developed. And yeah, I had yeah, stomach aches and and panic attacks from about 15 and stuff. But I'm getting back to that point is since I thought about the sadism and I went, all right, I'm going to accept that I have it and thinking about those feelings and absorbing them into myself, I have become more confident. And I, yeah, I'm like, it's really weird. And the other thing is I can see it in other people too. And I feel like I'm a lot less nice and I don't have to people please as much. Definitely much more able to slap back now because it's on tap. So if someone brings it to me, I think I can probably bring it back to them. And yeah, and this is like a big thing, vulnerable narcissism. Apparently one of the key things is problems with authority, like feeling intimidated by authority. That has been me to a T. And then absorbing the sadism, suddenly authority figures seem a lot less impressive Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're just dickheads like me. Yeah, and I feel a lot stronger. So it's really, really weird. But I guess I think some of that is the persecutory voice, isn't it? Because like previously it was outside me and now it's, it's coming yeah. inside me. And, yeah, I'm just a bit more of an asshole, I guess. I it's don't know. The, the narcissism defense, when you have these beliefs that you're like, you know, worthless and useless and all these other things, if you just suddenly think, the, the reverse is the truth you know you're not actually shameful but you're divine and all this other shit like you're not weak you're actually really powerful all this other shit like when you lift your head up and start seeing people around you you, you start to see the world a little bit more clearly it feels like and you mean are you saying when you go into a grandiose state you see the world yeah. more clearly though because that doesn't sound like it makes sense i well you start to see people not as something to be feared but because fear is to me the most distorting sort of force, but something to be like overcome and something okay. to be like dominated. Okay. Can you tell me why you think fear is is such a distorting force or the most one? Most distorting? You're anticipating all the ways that something can like hurt you mm-hmm. rather than all the things that you could possibly do to, you know, neutralize a threat or defeat that threat. It's like these are all the things that it could do to hurt you. And like, it it has like anything that has like an element of unknown to it becomes terrifying. Mm -hmm. But when there's an element of unknown and you're in a more like powerful mindset, you have the idea that you can overcome anything because you're a fucking God. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's interesting because the power becomes inside you rather than outside. Right. And you're just looking at like how that, how am I going to overcome this, you know, thing? Like, Mm -hmm. Rather than uh, what am I going to do? Like who can help me? Like that type of shit. Like yeah, or I'm just going to soon be run over and exactly. just be squashed on the ground. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, and I'm thinking a vulnerable narcissist is 
one who's never had a chance to flourish or grow or whatever. And so we attach ourselves to a powerful figure that we idealized in order to absorb some of their glory. And like knowing that I've gone, all right, grandiosity is motherfucking inside me. I'm going to start letting it out. And I know I occasionally did previously, but I am a lot more now. And it feels like, yeah, I get a rush and I'm like, fucking, I am all right. But I can also feel there's some aggression in it. And there is a pushing away of the negative voice. Like I I do feel like I'm swelling up and I'm, and you know, maybe I was feeling like meh about myself and I'm like inflating and then pushing that feeling outside me and towards the world. But then I am approaching people like, yeah, fuck you, you might think this and I'm all this and blah, blah, blah. So maybe it's like having a a prickly armour and you're like pushing the prickly stuff outwards onto others. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. No? Kind of. I, I Maybe that's how it is like for you. I don't know if it's yeah. the same way for me or not. Like for me, it, I, I like to view things in terms of like predator and prey and it's like, if you have a prey mentality, you're going to be very scared and you're going to think that the world is hostile and like the best you can do is just survive. And that other than that, you're powerless and the world is full of suffering and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and those types of people, they're so timid. They, they're always like looking at their feet or looking away. They can't look you in the eyes. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Keep going. And like a, you miss a lot of information in any sort of interaction. Like for me, I'm always trying to glean an advantage and look at people's face so I can pick up any like small expression, any small reaction. And I want to like take that information in and use it. And so if I'm looking down or looking away in shame, like I'm missing valuable information. Mm-hmm. So you will always look yeah. directly. Yep. Unless and I have thought- a reason to like feign, you know, weakness or something and you find most people look down and look away most people don't make eye contact very well no yeah Mm, that's interesting and then like you've also talked to me about externalizing your aggression and since I've been hopefully absorbing mine a bit more I've started to see that in other people yeah it's really really weird yes like they, they 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 literally do things to provoke it in other people and they they are not conscious of that no like it's weird yeah it's so weird and they can be like all kind of shambolic or whatever and then but just irritating Mm -hmm. while totally denying it with a sweet smile on their face exactly oh my god it's weird it's so weird like seeing it suddenly so did you like always see that stuff or when did Um, you become aware of that I don't know if I always saw it or not. I, I think I sort of gradually came into awareness of a lot of this stuff. But like, there, there's a what's it called that that Eurythmic song where it's like uh, some of them want to abuse you, some of them want to be abused. Yeah. You and it's like yep. it really does feel like people will take on one of these roles of like masochistic or sadistic or aggressive versus mm-hmm. submissive, and then they seek out a compliment. And I, I did yeah. notice like the complimentary sort of like pairing of people. Okay. And was that in others always or in yourself as well? Like did you no, have I, any- I didn't see shit in myself for like forever. <laughs> okay. But you'd you'd notice it in other people. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd notice dominant and submissive. That's how I'd see it. And then see that, yeah, 
there was a compliment in that, but I think, yeah, not not to the extent that you saw it. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very strange, and it feels it feels like um, people are intentionally encouraged to take on those roles. I think because of gender is a big thing. Hmm. And I, I think they're encouraged to do that as like a way to maintain social stability. Is it's like you have these people who are the givers and these people who are the takers. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, obviously females are encouraged to be submissive yeah. more often. Yeah. Though what about within the family home, there are plenty of female-dominant heterosexual couples? Well, when it comes down to it is that children are always on the bottom. Yeah, that's true. And so, like, historically, it was men that would have dominance over women, but then women would have dominance over the household in in terms of they would have dominance over the children. Mm -hmm. And so that was, like, the way that, like, women were able to tolerate being in, like, that submissive role. And children, they just had no choice. Okay. So you don't think there would have been families where the woman was dominant inside the home? There definitely were. And, in fact, like, originally before, like, men on, like, a societal level had dominance, it was usually women who had more, like, power because they controlled the household. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes I think, a lot of the shit that, you know, in the Me Too movement and stuff is like guys getting back at their mums because in the home they've been tormented. So it's like yeah. flipping in the private sphere and the public sphere. It's just like one big fucking circle where yeah. we just keep fucking each other up and then you get like treatment because of somebody's mum as a woman. And a, you and do. a lot of women will get revenge on their fathers but via their sons. Yeah. Or they just don't know how to think of a male in any other way maybe too well yeah except for there there is a, a male that they'll have power over and that will be their sons yeah so that's, that's where they can get revenge like and, and there's a role reversal fantasy that kind of comes inherently upon being victimized is you're going to have a role reversal fantasy okay or, yeah that makes sense yeah but i think too if like if you've only ever experienced males as being a certain way it's really hard and i'm t- talking as a parent to like yeah. imagine that it can be any different right you know there's there just isn't anything else in your head there is what you experienced and that's how it was so you just sort of relive it right and then i think actually for me the only way i could get away from that was to be around a lot be around people who were quite different so they just provided it's like you know like you can read stuff and it makes lots of sense but unless you've experienced it it's not really real you need to be around people who embody something different and you know it's like a living breathing you know really alive version that is really different because I think yeah because even if like you think you know you're still only drawing on your own idea of what it could be you know you're not able to step out of your brain and come up with something that you could never think of right i mean our brains don't work with abstract concepts they work with primarily physical reality and so like we don't imagine like a lot of people will talk about their emotional like reactions and they'll they'll talk about all these things that like they think are the truth and it's like yeah but your brain doesn't know how to like comprehend this abstract idea you have it knows how to comprehend The fact that there's food in front of you or whatever. like Yeah, like you mean like talking about it from the head and talking about it from the heart and right, unless you're right, talking yeah. about it from the heart, it's not really impacting you on any level. Yeah, you haven't gotten into some... that deep level, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, I agree. Okay. 
So is there anything more that you wanted to talk about? Did I answer enough? Like, do you want to pick anything more that might be sore? Yeah, and I'll try persecutory voice. Yeah. One of the things that people will do is they will find somebody to externalize their persecutory voice onto. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. And that gives you immense relief. Yeah. Do you want to describe that so that people understand it? Um, like, say, give an example of how it might happen. It's just like... If you have a lot of anger inside towards yourself and mm. you're like feeling like shit, you might start subconsciously like sabotaging things. And then if somebody comes along and they start taking on that role or whatever, it starts to feel just like really great. Mm-hmm. You mean they're expressing to you the part of yourself that's attacking yourself? Yeah, they're taking on particularly it feels like they're taking on the emotions. Mm-hmm. And when they, like, take that burden from your, like, shoulders, it feels like they're just giving you, like, such an enormous high. It's, like, hard to describe. Oh, uh, so you are, like, aware of having done that yourself? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, it, I- it, yeah, it, it's it's hard because it, it feels so good that you just want to keep pushing the button. Like, <laughs> um, it's true. It, fuck, it's hard being a human being, isn't it? Yeah. It's really exhausting sometimes. And being complicated. Wait, that sounds impressive though, doesn't it? Yeah, and that sounds, I'm just impossible to understand. (laughs) I'm so complex. I'm suffering greatly as a result. But it is true though, isn't it? And then you can argue with that person too or not. Or you can give in to it and like submit and punish yourself. And that, yeah. that makes people even more mad because then they realize that you put them into this role and they're like just so pissed that you're not like, you know, arguing back with them as an equal, but you're just like, you know, submitting it like as if like they're in this authoritative position. And it's like that. Really you, gets, do yeah. you mean like you've stirred them up and they are angry and then you're submissive and you're not fighting yeah. back? So you're not giving them a way for well, them like, to. Yeah, you, it's like if you just start being like, "Oh, you're right. I'm the worst. I fucked up everything. I can't." It's like that's just like fun, and it's like you're not yeah. trying to like actually. You're not trying to like actually get better or like actually apologize. You're just trying to get them to like take on all this anger for you. Yeah, that's it, and they can't release it back to you. Or or they can't get you to even listen to like what they're saying because like all you're interested in doing is getting them to feel that anger. Hmm. And it's like, I want you to like hear what I'm saying and care about the fact that like I'm upset. And it's like, instead, you're just using me as a vehicle to like dump your emotions into. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but you're also playing right into it. So like. Oh, okay. So you know you've done that, but you're like, well, fuck you. You can keep it. I mean, yeah. Like, well, it's like, it's not that. It's just like, well, like, I don't want to care about somebody who's like blowing up at me. Like, oh, okay. Ah, so you mean, are you saying you might stir someone up and uh-huh. then go, fuck you, goodbye? Oh, right. In my head, I'm, I'm saying that, but like on the outside or whatever, I might be acting like I'm, you know, like being hurt or whatever. But like, it, it's it's the fact that I'm acting in, in like any regard that like starts to piss them off because they realize, oh, this person doesn't give a fuck about me. And it's like, ah. but you didn't give a fuck about me when you started yelling at me, so... Yeah, but what if you gave them <laughs> that anger? 
why should they give a fuck about you when they start I yelling? Presumably they gave a fuck about me before they were angry. Why, why should mm-hmm. they just stop being like giving a fuck once they're angry? It's like. Okay. So you want them to take on the angry feelings but not get angry with you. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> they actually care. Like, it's like, I mean, if I've never had that modeled for me, I've never had somebody who can contain anger without blowing up their, like. Oh, yeah. Ability to care about somebody. You know, it's like. Yeah, and then apathetic people can be really irritating that way, can't they? Yeah. And that's like, that's like, yeah, that's like kind of giving anger in a weird way. It is. It actually really is. And a lot of them don't feel that. But it's like, you can't yell at somebody enough to make them care. Yeah. Or pitiful if they're too pitiful. Oh, yeah. That's that's the worst. That's fucking gross. <laughs> like Those people I just have to walk away from because, like, <laughs> I can't. I can't be around that. Like, but you don't like pity. I no, I don't like pity. What about compassion? I don't really know what that is. Yeah, fair enough. Like I've, right. I've not experienced it enough to really know what that is. Uh, I guess. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking of another example, and so someone I knew a little while ago who was they would complain about their health. And I was like, oh, no, that's no good. Yeah, you must feel really bad and sympathetic. And then I kind of had some interactions with them recently and they started again. And like since I absorbed my sadism, um, yeah. I just got really irritated because I'm like, you're, you, it was like they were trying to put themselves lower and lower and lower to the yeah, bottom yeah. To, to pull sympathy out of me. And then I just had this thought, which I never would have before, which was like, I wonder if I can say something and go even lower than them and then we have a oh, competition. That's so much fun. That's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, do you do that? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, what kind of fucking ailment can I pull out so yeah, that the, I'm the like Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like totally at the bottom. So I just I just threw out a mild comment and they didn't get back to me on that. But yeah, it was and then yeah, I could really feel that person like pushing at me to to give them yeah some fucking sympathy and i'm like uh-uh don't use me like that yeah yeah and that that's like, like that's once you start to like notice those things or whatever it, you do see like that there's like these dynamics everywhere okay really don't relent they like really don't relent like when they I, want something from you and want to use you for something okay and what do you do then you usually I, just, I walk just figure away? out how to beat them at their own game i love doing that like it's my favorite Oh, okay, so you get into a competition like that and try and just like, yeah, yeah, you, you figure out what they want, and you figure out how to. You can if, once you know what they want, you can hold it just out of their reach, like oh, and get them to do all kinds of things like that's yeah, that's an a real MPD thing, isn't it? I yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and someone said that like recently, how they know their partner wanted something, and you know, and they were always just holding it out of reach. To try and keep them, actually. Yeah, kind and of thing. Like intermittent reinforcement or whatever. It's like you give it to them as much as they want at first, and then you give it to them less and less, and then you give it to them to reward them for certain interactions. And like, uh. like a lot of people just don't want to have to be aware of the way that their emotions affect other people, and they just want to like pretend like being themselves means not having to think about that. Like, So they do that to you, you do that to them, or everybody does it to I, each other? I believe this is everybody does this. Like I, I think emotions yeah. in some way are inherently manipulation. Yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, why do they exist? They exist to sort of create a push and pull that um, yeah. 
keeps us together. And when people aren't aware of like what that does, like they just say, think that their emotions, like they should be able to feel whatever they want without having to like take into consideration the effect mm. it has. And it's like, you can do that, but like, you're going to maybe not have any friends or you're going to like, you know, piss everyone off or whatever. And it's like, if you, want, if you actually take control of that, like you can be really effective. So you mean you take control of your own emotions or you yeah. take control of the interactions so that yeah, you yeah. can... Like the way that you express your emotions, the way that like when you feel them and stuff and it's like, yeah. So you feel like you can switch yours on and off? It feels like it, yeah. Does that okay. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, and I was going to ask another question about that. Oh, I was going to lead on to, yeah, the whole victimhood and how you didn't like that and pointed that out about me and that was very painful to admit. But, yeah, and that's also a BPD thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like if you go to the BPD boards, it's all victim <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> oh, this is terrible to admit. But, yeah, like I came to the forum. Victims. Yeah, and, like, I was so shocked to see that and it really did hurt my ego, but I had to go, ouch, that's true, I'm just going to keep yeah. my mouth shut <laughs> about anything like that. But, yeah, and I think some of it is true because I think when you're BPD, you're a bit more innocent and you believe in goodness, so you do have a right to be pissed off because you really are trying to be a good person. But yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, they believe in their own goodness, and especially, I think. Yeah, but you don't believe in it, but I think it exists. I really, really do. Okay. You, you don't believe in it? I, I don't know. Uh, no, no, I, you I, tell I, me. I like you to, tell me. like to meet a good person. <laughs> okay. So oh, how do you see people then? You don't think, you think they're bad or, or what do you think about them? I, I guess I don't look at it that way as much as I just, I see people as they have their own interests. They have their own like tactics. They have their own ways of like trying to like get what they want. And they're only going to do what you want so long as it's also going to get them what they want at some level or they believe that it will. Okay. So then it becomes necessary to manipulate. I mean, yeah, like, but people, I mean, like that has such like a bad term to it. And it's just, to me, it's like manipulation is just the way that you interact with somebody in order to get things like. Okay. So you're saying you're doing it consciously and other people are doing it subconsciously. I'm sure I do it subconsciously too. Yeah. Okay. But, so are, but are you saying like the person you're with is doing it just as much? It's just on a subconscious level. Exactly. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. All right. Well, that's I just been quite a lot. It because I do it consciously. More. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, are you getting what you want out of relationships and interactions then? To an extent, it's like it's a little hard because the people I'm around are unpredictable because our lives are very precarious. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, you're saying it also gives you a level of safety? I mean, I guess that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, you can say that or just power. I mean, okay. power can be something you seek out of fear or just for its own sake because it's enjoyable. Okay, so you enjoy feeling the power. Yeah. Though you also said to me you're on the very bottom. Well, no, I mean that emotionally. Okay. So, being on the yeah. bottom, like in terms of like my self-esteem or whatever, that, that, that's a powerful position to be in. To be on the bottom in terms of your self-esteem? Yeah. Okay. Is that, again, the letting go of caring what other people think? Absolutely, yeah. Freedom. Yeah, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Hmm. All right. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no. Okay. Well, that was a pretty good app, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, Mud, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Yeah, and it was really it was actually really cool hearing about the stuff that you're noticing. So Okay, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's been such a change. And yeah, I'm way more assertive and like now, yeah, actually working and no longer intimidated by the authority figures there. In fact, my new boss, I'm just like I already started teasing them a bit because i'm like yeah i'm gonna give you shit because you're yeah. equal to me and, um, they like and that a lot of times yeah some of them do or you know that yeah and then you like i've seen people who like crawl get squashed yeah oh my god that was me until so yeah. recently and i even want to do it myself like what the hell right that's a really bad side of myself and i did not admit it but it's true it's like oh my god but yeah, feels, I can see. Oh. Yeah, it's disrespectful to be seen as if you're going to just squash them. And so it's like, yeah, okay, I'll just do it, you know, because it feels like you're pushing me to. What? You feel disrespected by it. Well, nobody likes to be seen as a monster. And if somebody's like preemptively like cowering in fear from you, it's like. Oh. Okay. I don't feel that. This person doesn't want to see me as a human anyway. Oh. No, I just, because I'd look at them and I'd go, well, you're irritating, but I feel sorry for you because I know how it feels Oh, <laughs> to feel like a mouse. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So you, it's a personal thing for you. You feel like they are treating you that way because they see something in you. Or they, they want to because they're afraid of that part of themselves. And so like, oh, okay, you're just trying to get that out of me because you're afraid to do it yourself. You know, okay. Like, I'll, be, I'll be the bad person who has the power. Like, I'll oh, do it. wait, wait, wait. So you feel a responsibility. They're giving yeah. you a responsibility and you feel responsible. It's like, it's like a, a deal, like a, like an unspoken arrangement, right? It's like, you're going to be the bad person and I'm going to be the good person. Who's the, you know, victim, the, the oh. much more victim. And you're going to be the bad person with all the power who's hurting me. And I'm like, okay, deal. Okay. Oh, cause yeah, I'd, I'd look at them and go, there's someone unconfident. And yeah, they're just unconfident and I feel sorry for you because it sucks. But yeah, that's a different way of feeling it. Yeah. But that's because we'd have to say you've been cast in the role of a bad person. Yeah. So it's much more personal to you in that way. People aggressively want me, once they notice that like I'm the person who will do that, they aggressively want me to do that for them. Mm -hmm. It It is like they throw themselves under my feet. Mm-hmm. And so you find that hard, actually. I find it like, a little disgusting. Okay. Is that because it involves pity if you had to stop seeing it that way or because they're showing vulnerability or, or why? They, they're, they're not bothering to see me as a human. They're not bothering to see themselves as doing anything remotely similar to what I'm doing. Okay. But I'm going to be the person who's seen as the bad person. And it's like, okay, whatever. Like, So it's a rejection of you that they're doing that? I mean, of course, yeah. Okay. You don't think it's just a rejection of themselves? Uh, it is that too, like because they're they're trying to disown the part of themselves that I represent. Yeah. Right. Like. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I'm like, all I can see now is that, oh God, interactions are just like a big bundle of shit being passed 
you know, mm-hmm. downwards, but it's just so uneven and it's it's just not necessarily relating to what has occurred. It's just you're in a weaker emotional state and or in terms of hierarchy and I'm just going to dump this on you. Right. It is really a matter of perception, like a big in a big way, rather than what actually is true. Yeah, it's like an emotional, like there's the facts that have yeah. happened in real life, but then there's the emotions going on, and what will happen will just be in accordance to you know your own power or lack of power, and whether or not you can get to dump downwards. That's what it seems like. Yeah, and like. It's not even necessarily dunked downwards because plenty of powerful people objectively will pretend like they're weak. Oh, go on. Tell me about that. Now that sounds really interesting. Well, like the the most classic example I can think of would be like white women who start crying whenever they get accused of racism. Oh, okay. But like in general, like somebody who has power who was misusing it, they get called out on it. They can start crying and play the victim and people will feel Oh, hard. yeah. Yeah. And that happens with women too, doesn't it? Like, yes, we yes. women are very good at crying, and yeah. And in fact, um, like I was watching TV the other day with a guy sitting next to me, and yeah, they were talking about. Oh, I don't, I don't think it was the Me Too movement. It was something? No, that's right. They were talking about bringing in special menopause leave. So on top of sick leave, having special leave that is menopause leave, and it was all female speakers and female journalists. And then honestly, after about five minutes, a female made the comment about women's voices. Yeah, that's right. And then it was about a play about sexism. And then the woman said, "Yeah, because women's voices are really." ever heard (laughs) we just looked at each other and went you're fucking kidding aren't you but yeah we women can pull that card out quite a bit don't we it's it's definitely like at some level i would hear stuff about like the incel movement and it's like a lot of that shit ended up being true more than one might expect as in women do have a lot of power that they just don't want to recognize yeah yeah Um, i agree Mm. And if you look at a social hierarchy, you can go, well, sure, men can be powerful, but go talk to the ones down towards the bottom. And and women, a lot of times they do select, you know, men who are going to hurt them. And it's like, why do they do that? It's, it's, It's in part because there's like, so sexual selection or whatever is something that is entirely in the realm of, of women having power. Mm, Yeah. And in different species of animals or whatever, sexual dimorphism is something that is entirely fueled by women or by the females of like that species. Like, mm-hmm. so a lot of times I'm, I'm looking at like the way that like men ended up developing and it's like, I have to consider at some level, like women made them that way. Oh, in what way? Well, they reward them for being that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? There's yeah. some advantage there somewhere. Mm. Oh, wait, and it's not to say that, like there isn't like real dynamics and real power that exist and like real victimization. It's just that what I feel like is often lost is is children and the like the truly powerless. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And what I'd say is that the power that women do have is often not recognized, isn't it, or not acknowledged as well? Right. But definitely, um, definitely used. Especially around things like like sexual assault and and just tears in general, it's like a lot of times it's like what I can't help but cry, and it's like, but you can actually a gun to your head 
somebody says, if you keep crying, I'm going to kill you. You'll find a way to stop crying. Yeah. Like, though, as someone who cries fairly easily, I've often embarrassed myself. Then gun, it's like gun to somebody else's head, right? It's like, if you don't stop crying, it's a noise activated gun, you know? If you yeah. Don't, you'll figure out a way. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is true. It is true. Yeah. And then I wonder what a guy, you know, like if you're, imagine if you're in some like resolution meeting and the guy started crying too. Right. <laughs> How and, would that like, meeting you, go? You're laughing as if like that, that'd be like especially funny. And like, I think that's interesting by itself is that that's such a ridiculous concept to you that a guy might like, cause, mm. cause to me, like there's not any reason why women should cry more than guys. Yeah. They do though, don't they? Right. But you know, I, I tell you what, well, I tell you, as someone who has cried easily, I would have times where it's just coming and I'm like, oh, here we go. But then I was also aware of the effect it was going to have. So it's yeah. like oh, I'd like to just fucking cry, but I know it's a manipulation point if I want to use it. And, and the, I the can- ideology between boys and girls, especially like prepubescent, it's, it's almost nothing. And yeah. So- why do boys cry less than girls? It's it's because they've been conditioned into into yeah rewarding girls for that and punishing boys for it. Yeah, and I've fully seen that. And then, like, to make a big circle around this, I did see was it Diana Diamond saying that um some study where they observed narcissism in children, and as they grew into adolescence, it would be expressed as grandiosity in the males and more into vulnerable narcissism in the females but then i've found yeah that maybe then you know there's that male thing of not being able to look at and go through emotions so then again it they deal with a female and then it gets purged through the female and blah 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 yeah. there's the cycle again and it's like there's when you when i am feeling powerful there's like a never ending like amount of just everyone, it feels like, but like especially girls who just absolutely want everything, want, 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 want me to destroy them. I was like the best way I can fucking put it. So how? How? In what way? They're, Do they... they're obviously like very masochistic and submissive and like they're just like extremely like sexual and like flirty and like I don't have to hardly do shit. It's like the less I care about them, the more they want me. <laughs> I'm not even yeah, I'm not even joking. Like it's just I'm I know, I know. And like I'm just thinking this is a whole episode in itself, which is super right. fascinating. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to go into that. And oh man, I'm gonna have to do some research because that's interesting because there's like a whole lot there, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. Do you ever feel like they want you to be a parent figure and just take responsibility as well? Or is it like yeah. they really want you to punish them? They really want me to play the role of being the big bad person who doesn't give a fuck about them. Okay, yeah. And but- yeah, they'll they'll demonize me sometimes, but like ultimately they'll still come back, right? Like Isn't that just like having the disinterested parent and playing that over and over again? I mean, yeah, it can be. Okay, so you think there's like multiple reasons? Yeah, it could it could be that. It's really hard for me to say. It's like if they embody weakness, then the more they embody weakness, the more I get to embody like power. I, get, I don't know. The I get it it becomes like a dangerous feeling cuz like I get really high when I'm around these people. Mhm. 
like to the point of I, I literally start to think that I'm a god. Oh, so they feed your grandiosity. Is that what yes, you're saying? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. So what they're doing is they're trying to merge with you then, doing yes. the vulnerable narcissism thing, putting you up on a pedestal and you're like absorbing their idealization and going, right. woohoo. Okay. I mean, but it's not just me saying like woohoo. It's like they'll let me, they, they encourage me to do anything I want. Like I can just mistreat them. Okay. How do they do that? By they have more like they have like a sexual arousal reaction to me mistreating them. Oh, like they're, they're okay. rewarding me for it, you know. So this is tying into what you're talking about with females selecting males. Yeah. And selecting the aggression in there. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Because I was also thinking with the return to males who mistreat or might be violent. There can also be the BPD, MPD interaction thing going on. And I, I sent you that video or whatever of like all my or whatever laughing and like that fearlessness or whatever. Like there's this idea that they want to merge with somebody powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's them replaying and sort of reenacting their like edible conflicts, right? And so it's like mm-hmm. they want somebody powerful who, yeah, they might be mean, they might mistreat them, but ultimately they're going to feel safe because that person's not afraid and not weak. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Evolutionary terms. Right. Because then you go, yeah, I mean, it is the parent. It's that powerful parent. But, yeah, fuck, you need a strong leader. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But then the other the other side of that is like <laughs> you get to stand back when the hordes attack and go, go on, strong leader, off you go and fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're just – every single one of them is just like underneath the surface. I can feel it. They're just dying to kill me. Kill you? Why? Oh, yeah, I can feel it. In what way? They, they'll have I, like these like happy faces, but underneath I can feel like their teeth like grating and they're just like w- waiting for an opportunity to for me to overstep my bounds and like – just like you know, burn me at the stake. Like I can oh. feel it. It's it's a tense situation. Oh, that's interesting. Aggressive. They aggressively seek me out and they want me for their own. And yeah. so, like, they pretend to like being mistreated, but underneath, I can feel like there's something like explosive there. Mm-hmm. In you or in them or in both? In them. Okay, so you. Now, feel I gotta take like... all my things out. I don't. I feel like like top of the like. It's it's dangerous because like I start to feel like way stronger than I know I actually am. Oh, yeah. And I don't have to, like, check myself ever because I, I can't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I start to, like, get paranoid and think, like, okay, what the hell's going on? Wait, 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 wait. So you said you start to feel really powerful and, like, you can't do anything wrong, but then you're stepping into paranoia, which is a different feeling. Yeah, like suspicion. So- Ah, so you like you float up, you feel invincible, and then it tips over into suspicion. Yes. Ah, okay. Why are they ingratiating me? Are they trying to, what are they trying to get? And then, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to ever be dependent on this person, like lifting me like up or whatever. Like, so. Oh, so there's a resentment there. Like they give you something really nice, but then you start to dislike it and feel right. dependent on them? Eventually they start to get more and more whiny, more and more nagging, more and more negative, right? And they think oh. that they'll be able to control me by whether or not they give me that positive praise and admiration and stuff. And it's like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. Okay. 
as a vulnerable narcissist, I might yeah. admit that they might be getting envious of your power and confidence. Right. Yeah. But then I wouldn't say that you want to kill the other person. You no, just I don't. Like to, no, like, no, no, where you're saying you feel that they're like got their teeth at you and they want you to die. What if they just want to have a turn in the spotlight, but they well, don't know how? Kill me and replace me, like eat me, you know? But why would they do that if you're the big shiny thing? Because they could eat me and then they could become the big shiny thing. Do you really think they could? Like, aren't you like the partner shiny thing with a lovely golden throne and they just want to hop up beside you? And well, then maybe looking at me, and it's like, wh- who's who's the one who is has the most envy and resentment? It's always number two, right? Like, yeah. And, and you... a lot of times they're putting number one up higher than them, so that number one can play the scapegoat, and then they can step into that role later and play that longer oh. game. Like, so you feel that they want to put you up to then scapegoat you and get rid of you? Yeah, and, and have then. Me- Feeling like nothing is wrong and like, you know. Okay. Hmm. That that to me is like the the classic covert slash vulnerable like narcissist plan is play submissive and then role reverse. Oh, so you think I'm going to try and take over the world? Because that sounds appealing to me. Well, yeah, it should. Like everyone wants that. And it's like, I've done it. Like I was in a, I was in a group or whatever. It was like a, not not exactly like a gang. It was like a crew Mm -hmm. of people. And like, I was the number two or whatever. And my yeah. entire mindset was I'm going to basically shadow number one, learn everything that he does, all the stuff that he knows. And while he's letting me do more and more for him and he's sitting back on his ass, I'm going to be busily replacing him. And then he's going to be out of a job. Did you? I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> like I was going to, the, the group fell apart for other reasons, but like that was mm-hmm. my goal. But are you saying that he sat back on his ass and in which case he deserved to be replaced, didn't he? Because he was a bit fucking complacent. Right. Well, yeah, he's like, he started to feel like, oh, I've got such a good number two. Like, you know, they're so loyal and like everything's set for me and I've done such a good job. And it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think there's studies about that, about guys rising up in uh, organizations and then becoming quite distorted in their perceptions. Yeah. 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 Well, where it's like the blue shell phenomenon. I don't know. It's like there's in Mario Kart. If you're in first place, it's like one of the most dangerous places to be because somebody can get the blue shell mm-hmm. from like last place, and that goes and it it just destroys the first place person. Okay. Like, so yeah, and I'm just thinking, like from a evolutionary perspective, we're talking about the leader of a tribe but biologically women don't really get to play this game so much because we'd be too busy looking after babies right and there's historical societies but in a lot of cases like you you do have to pick one or the other motherhood or leadership yeah yeah which makes total sense because i don't think kids deserve to have you so taken up with something that's just so pressing and also risky and it's like you could have the kid but like you don't get to raise the kids like that goes to somebody else yeah which would be pretty hard i think hmm i mean if if you're ambitious it doesn't matter yeah okay as a parent i'd find that hard but anyway yeah i guess it's priorities um yeah. and it's c- coming up to quite late so i'm going to have to call it a day for now okay.
Yeah. So, so Mud, thank you for being on the pod. Yeah, no problem. It was nice being here. Okay. Bye. Yeah, bye. Cool, and really congratulations on your job. That's really fantastic news. Um, I agree on the mind-expanding um, stuff. Um, I was just thinking after I got your um, message that the more PDs I have in my life, the better, um, surely. Um, so, yeah. Hooray! Um, and I'm enjoying exploring um my npd in lots of different ways and yeah lovely conversations have been happening um in the last uh, couple of months that have been really um really allowed me to grow a lot of in much more confidence and um acceptance and playfulness and trying things out and um it's lovely to feel much less shame and or to be able to manage the shame aspects much better and 
um, feel better about my um, big and bold sides or my um, naughty sides, because I have those two, um, where I break the rules. <laughs> but yes, I'm, in, I'm enjoying that. Um, and all good. I'm just in the middle of a day of teaching. I'm just on my bike and um, about to go and teach for the rest of the afternoon. But nice to hear you and um, keep in touch and message me frequently as much as you want. And um, I will do the same. Um, let's do it. <laughs>